Hey guys, Nick here. Just a heads up, we had a handful of mic issues this episode, including some tapping from an unstable mic stand. We've identified the problems and fixed them for future episodes and cleaned it up best we can for this one, but it'll still be noticeable in some places. We're sorry for the quality, but we appreciate you bearing with us. Previously on Tales of the Voidfarer. Adam Rain was a, a good man, and even a better captain. If I recall, he did have a pretty love-hate relationship with a few contacts within the Elven Imperial fleet. Do you have any information for me about Tyshra's pride? Well, I was supposed to get the shipment a few days ago, and uh, it didn't arrive. The Cinder Shard is already bought and paid for. We're looking for a group of routed dwarves. Yes, I, I think it was the captain of that group. She walked away with about 400 gold pieces. I'm talking about going and spending it for a Jenny's top sale. you guys think do we need to do banter this episode or should we just jump it i'm always just for jumping in yeah just dive on in yeah jokes on you this is now the banter <laughs> <laughs> all right let's just jump in <laughs> so when last we left our heroes you were well marco just got some good news i did i am now a member of the seekers yes you all probably know that marco was extremely ecstatic by the time he gets back yeah, I think that Ravnus is a little bit uh, just kind of cold to Marco. Just... <laughs> I forgot we hate Marco now. Yeah, yeah, we're mad at Marco. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to have that fight later because it'll be fun. <laughs> it will be fun. I'm excited. <laughs> so at the time being, your current goal is to head back to Jenny's topsail to see if you can track down the crew of the Tishra's Pride. Specifically, their captain, Brawla Irondust. You guys meet back up and head back up to the guild's ward near Anchorage. And if you recall, it is uh, kind of a little out of place because it's not a building that is just made into the existing shipwreck halls. It actually looks like it was deliberately constructed, probably still from salvaged materials, but the design of it is far more refined. It looks like a building that would be at home on any groundling settlement. Unlike when you visited before, you now hear music kind of coming from it. So uh, you go in and it's actually quite crowded in here now. And immediately the smell of various perfumes hits your nose as you enter. There are people sitting around everywhere at tables and in various like lounge booths around the outside. And you actually see that there is a human dancer on the stage doing a burlesque routine. It definitely has that combination of like a strip club meets a like speakeasy kind of vibe in here. Um, and you see that there are various other men and women that appear to be uh, strippers or sex workers visiting, doing lap dances, that sort of thing all around. Uh, people seem to be enjoying themselves in here. Um, can I just make a cursory, just a quick perception check to see if we see any group of people that would even resemble the crew of the Tishra's Pride from what we've heard of them? Yeah, that's what Ravnus is looking for, too. I think that would be, like, just the first thing. Just look around. If it looks like there's a bunch of dwarves hanging out, that might be a good first place to go. Yeah, rowdy group of dwarves. Uh, yeah, they are immediately noticeable. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, and you, you kind of immediately see them. There, It's a group of about a dozen dwarves. They are probably the rowdiest group in here, much to, like, the mild, quiet annoyance of the people immediately around them. But the coin seems to be flowing from them, so none of the workers seem to mind that much, or at the very least, they're tolerating it. And you notice and start heading in that direction. Marco, as you're kind of doing a scan around the room, you do notice someone in the room seems to take notice of you immediately. There is a, a tall, slender woman standing on a balcony that is directly across from the stage. The balcony is almost like above the bar. 
and she seems to be just standing up there just looking out over the bar room and she definitely seems to have her eyes on you um and it's kind of dark you can't really make out her features other than um her tall and slender frame okay before I make it over to the dwarfs, can I make it over to the bar real quick? Yeah, you you do that. Um, it's 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 the same. Um, I think I said he was a half elf bartender, and and he actually turns to you, and this time his face is fully made up. It's a uh, it's good to see you again. How's it going? You again? Um, yes, good to see you as well. Uh, can I get you something to drink? Ah, uh, yes. Um, whatever you recommend. Um. All right. Uh, he he turns and makes you this very like vibrant orange drink that has several slices of fruit around the outside of it. You you don't <laughs> recognize any of these fruits. I will uh, take it hesitantly and then look at him. Uh, well, first I'll pay him. Yeah, he he charges you um, five silver. Okay. Damn, it's kind of a pricey drink. Like, All right. Well, I mean, I I asked for the recommendation, so <laughs> crowd favorite tastes wonderful and will knock you on your ass. Uh, I give him, um, seven silver for the tip. I know we were in here earlier. Let me ask, and he kind of, I kind of point back to the rowdy dwarves. Is those the, uh, the people we're looking for? He kind of sighs and says, yes, that would be, uh, Tishra's pride. Thanks. You are the best. Thanks. I know. I'm going to sip my drink and then, uh, kind of follow along with the other two. Yeah, we make our way over. Yeah. Alrighty, so you approach this group of dwarves and it's kind of hard to, like, it's, there's dwarves and there's workers of the establishment taking up the this space as well, um, kind of that you can't really see. And as you work your way in, kind of into this space, forcing your way past, you can now see they're kind of in the middle of this group, sitting in a chair with her back against the table. Her legs spread wide with a topless human woman on one knee and a topless half-elven woman on her other knee with her arms out around either of their shoulder is what could unmistakably be Brawla Iron Dust. Uh, she's laughing heartily. She has a cigar in her mouth. Her hair is done in this like kind of messy retro style updo. She's fully made up, which kind of juxtaposes against the fact that she has like a sailor's rough leathery skin and thick stubble, but she has bright red lips and blue eyeliner, and she's wearing a flowing pirate shirt that's rolled up to her elbows, and you can see her hairy forearms. Her fingernails are painted red, but cut very, very short on her stubby dwarf fingers, and her shirt is a very deep V, which leaves nothing to the imagination, both in the way of her bosoms and the nest of chest hair between them. I am obsessed with Brawla. <laughs> I sip my drink just thinking, this person is a lot. <laughs> Fiona, I had a feeling you would enjoy this character. I, I love her. <laughs> and She's now the fourth member of our party. <laughs> uh, along with every other favorite NPC thus far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and she's kind of laughing and taking a sip of her tankard of ale and setting it down. And she sees the three of you approach and she goes, Oh, well, what do we've got here? Wishing to join the party, the three uh, interesting sights of y'all. She says, kind of eyeing you with a smirk across all three of you. And she looks at you, Marco, and she says, well, you are all soft-handed and ink-nosed. I'd shatter your pelvis so fine you could use it as spell components. <laughs> kind of glancing over at Luckbeak, she goes, oh, I've had weirder than Doar. And she looks at Ravnus and goes, well, you're now interesting, aren't you? Not too many we've seen get Yankee and one so pretty as yourself. <laughs> and she'll actually pat the, the two women on her knees. She'll kind of like pat them uh, with both hands on their bottoms and say, all right, lasses, uh, in a moment, I'll get back to you. Looks like I have some company. Are you, are you supposed to sit down now, Ravnus? <laughs> Uh, she she laughs at that and goes, well, you're more than welcome. And she says, gesturing to one of her knees. I think I spit uh, out my drink at that moment. <laughs> Ravnus gives Luckbeak. She's going to try to intimidate Luckbeak with oh, this Jesus. horrible the, luck she gives him. That's, they were know. doing so well. They were friends for a whole 15 minutes. Oh, come on. <laughs> Gentle ribbing is friendship. <laughs> Uh, um, if you're going to try to intimidate me, you do not need to roll. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she gives him a, a very dirty look at uh, that. I, I put my hands up and back off immediately. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brawla actually reading that situation goes, now, nah, now nah, you don't need to feel obligated. 
She'll wave her hands, and uh, three of the other dwarves nearby just immediately know what that means, and they get up and move. Sure. I waddle up and grab a seat. Yeah, Ravnus uh, sits down. So would I. I have no reason not to. So, uh, who are ya, and how can I help ya? And when she says that, she winks at Marco. Well, um, I'm Marco Astorio. This is my good friend Luckbeak, and my other good friend Ravnus, and we are members of the Void Fair. Oh, the Void Fair, you're with Val then. Indeed. And we come to uh, talk about a certain shipment that seems to have uh, gone missing. And you all with it, but it seems like we found you all. <laughs> yeah, about that. Some of the nearby dwarves kind of grumble. You know, they visibly show their, their frustration and uh, displeasure with the situation. Yeah, I've been working on that. Uh, you can tell Val I apologize. Uh, I didn't want to come to her until I had some good news, you understand. So you don't have the shipment? Not as of yet, no, but that's also because we don't currently have our ship. Old Sylph decided that they were going to swoop in with their dicks hanging out and uh, take it from us over some trumped up technicalities. Right bullshit, I tell ya. Sounds like it. Uh, forgive me, I'm I'm a little new to this myself, but I would think that uh, you would be wanting to get your ship back as quick as possible, not um, celebrating. Oh, this isn't celebration. This is commiseration. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, trust me, we're working on trying to get our ship back, but it is a right heaping load of bureaucracy. The Elven Imperial Fleet's impound is not to be fucked with and loads and loads of paperwork plus i think they're just giving us a little bit of a harder time because you know we're dwarves and we're obviously already better than them how is any of this our problem we want the shipment it's not we're working on it the shipment is certainly sitting in the cargo hold of the tishra's pride right now so real quick question um i'm just i'm new to this i'm kind of curious how long would the Typical bureaucratic process take to get your ship and the shipment. Well, it depends. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't have expected to be in this situation, but it appears that the, the fleet had a bone to pick with us and decided to fucking flex their fucking muscles over us for no fucking reason. They nailed us for an inspection, went through all of our cargo, cross-checked it with our ledgers, and then claimed that we were trying to transport barrels of ale that were not on the ledger. But you see, those barrels of ale were ship supplies. They didn't need to be on the ledger, they're not required, but those fucking elves claim there is no way our crew of 12 could drink 15 barrels of ale in two weeks. <laughs> so obviously they're assuming we're lying, but clearly they've never met us. Ravnus's eyes are just sort of like glazing over during, <laughs> the, during like the reasoning for all of this. Yeah, like you guys clearly get the impression that this is the equivalent of like getting pulled over and getting a ticket for going two miles over the speed limit. Mm -hmm. This is like nothing they would ever normally enforce. So based on at least her telling of the story, it seems a little fishy. And she says, look, so since I wouldn't have expected to have our entire ship and cargo impounded over something like that, I really don't know how long it's going to take to get it all sorted out. And I think they're just giving us some problems. Because the fucking bitch of an admiral stationed out here has a bone to pick with me personally. Why? I don't fucking know. Maybe it's because of my winning personality. <laughs> she says and takes another puff of her cigar. Look, if you want to get to the bottom of it, go to the Elven Embassy and talk to someone there yourself. Say that the cargo on that ship is rightfully yours. There's the documentation to prove it. They've seen it. They've made copies. I'm sure they'll be able to sort out getting your shipment if you need it faster than we can sort out getting our shit back. And I'm just pissed because it means that we can't do our next shipment. And if we can't fulfill that obligation, we're going to be in deep water with the Moonhammer Mining Company. All right. Well, you know, I think we can handle that. Uh, so where can we find them? Uh, the elves. The elves keep an embassy here in the, uh, the guild's ward. Perfect. All right. We will get back to you when we have uh, some news on what we're going to do next here. 
Well, I rightly appreciate that. You can either find me here or uh, up the ways at the Hall of Fortune's favor. Now, remind me real quick. Did we pay you in advance for this job? Uh, Captain Valeria did, yes. She did? Okay. Well, that's her problem, I suppose, not ours. Look, we've done many jobs for Val and never once had this problem. All right. All right. It looks like it's money well spent, all things considered. Where did you get the money you won? Well, uh, as your friend said, Val paid in advance. <laughs> so well, you've just been spending the money. What else was I supposed to do with it? I fully planned on delivering, we just had to wade through all this bureaucracy. It feels like premature celebration, but you know what? <laughs> you Commiseration! We lost our bloody shit, man. Commiseration. I finish my fruity drink and leave it on the table. He's like, so, um... You're already feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> I stand up and then I sit back down and I say, <laughs> we'll go handle this embassy situation and try to get your ship back and our shipment. Well, I appreciate that. Um, this time I'm going to stand up and I'm going to use luck feet to steady myself. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, as you finish this conversation and begin to stand, you see... The figure you saw up on the balcony before is now down on the main floor, and she approaches the group. And she is kind of interesting now that you get a better look at her. She's tall. She's probably about six feet tall, but a very slender frame. Her features are interesting in the fact that she looks human, but there's something off about it. Like, she has, like, cheekbones that kind of remind you of, like, maybe elvish features. But her ears are not pointed like an elf. And her eyes are, like, this unnatural violet color. And her hair is kind of this, like, flowing, kind of shimmering uh, blonde that she kind of has uh, partially tied back so that it mostly flows down her back about halfway now. Rala, you seem to be bringing new faces to uh establishment. Ah, Madame Dizzery. Yeah, they, these folks are here to have a word, but perhaps they could be convinced to partake in your services. Madame Dizzery will wink at Brawla, and she kind of looks at each of you, and her eyes almost are the piercing. Should, in your time, here on the dear Anchorage, require anything that you desire, we here at Jenny's Topsail can provide it. She says, leaning forward with a sly smile. And she looks to Marco and Ravnus, and she says, perhaps I can even help you find out what you want. And when she says that, her features actually shift from her kind of soft features to a little bit harder features, more masculine features, and then transition back into her normal ones. Ravnus is just sort of like arms crossed, glaring, just unamused by, by whatever this is. I will not take up any more of your time. Thank you so much. This place is fantastic, but we have a lot of paperwork to do. A pleasure <laughs> meeting you, and Marco's going to scuffle on out of there. <laughs> so you guys leave Jenny's top cell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we leave. That was weird. It's been a weird <laughs> couple of minutes. Yeah. I, How mm -hmm. about we go and do paperwork? <laughs> Marco, if you would like, you can make an Arcana check. All right, so that is a 14. You're pretty sure she's a doppelganger. I would know that doppelgangers are psionic, right? Yeah, you would know that doppelgangers have a ability to innately kind of penetrate the thoughts of individuals, read their surface thoughts. Well, I know of creatures that can, can shapeshift like that, uh, but that's a... Uh, I mean, I guess it's a great profession for her, then. I think, let's get this job done. That was flustering for all parties in various forms. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. I can't believe Val paid her in advance. <laughs> I, I mean, what? I don't know. I mean, it's 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 good that she's been so reliable for so long. But did something strike you as weird about that whole conversation? There was a there was certainly a weird air to it. Yes, and I have to say, uh, I I I didn't want to say anything immediately, but yeah, the idea of paying in advance is a little worrisome in this line of work. I I mean, yeah, I mean. Uh, no matter how reliable somebody is, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of con artists when you're talking about literal pirates. So I don't know if I'd trust it, but hey, more power to her. Either way, um, well, Ravnus, did you have anything from from that conversation? Because I mean, there's something fishy about it, but I can't put my finger on it. With Brawla, 
Yes, yes, with Brawla, not with the doppelganger, whatever. But yes, Brawla, the much more interesting. I don't see why this is any of our problem. I think they should just figure it out. I mean, yeah, but I mean, this is what Val told us to do, and she signs our checks, so. Yeah, that's it's kind of hard to argue. All right, well, got to do what we got to do. Yeah, let's uh, start with the elves. If we go to these elf people, will they get mad at us for doing pirate stuff? I think you can maybe downplay the pirate part of it. You would know that the Voidfarer's operations are not illegal. It's just that they are competing with the Salvagers Guild, who kind of holds all of the power in the area. So while, you know, they obviously don't have many friends here on Nadir Anchorage, you don't believe from what you've heard that the Voidfarer's operations would be anything that the Elven Imperial fleet would have a problem with. Okay. Yeah, let's just, let's go down there and figure it out. Hope we can get this done quickly and then we can uh, get back to more pressing issues. Yeah. Wait, what sort of pressing issues you got going on, Marco? The Seeker thing? Oh, yes. Um, actually, I got, I got accepted. Oh, hey, all right, congratulations, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Oh, we gotta, yeah, make you a, I don't know, a cake or something. <laughs> Are you going to leave us? Oh, um, no, no, definitely not. The, actually, part of the job is that I need to go out and collect knowledge to prove that I'm useful. So, actually, the fact that I'm with the Voidfarer is very beneficial to all parties. Okay, well, that's perfect. Thank you, Luckbeak. Um, but either way, yeah, I, I personally just wanted to get back to my research, but... I don't think there was anything else particularly pressing unless the ship's about to leave dock. Um, I, don't, I don't think so. Well, well let's, let's go down there, I guess. All right. So you head to the embassy of the Elven Imperial Fleet. And you, you know that the point of this is to be kind of the point of contact for any communications or negotiations with the fleet's presence here in Crotspace and specifically the Armada class ship, which is the flagship of the uh, Crotspace Armada that is nearby. So as you approach, you see from a distance that there are two GIF standing outside, almost as if they're standing guard. And as you get closer, you see that two of the gith that were, in fact, in the block and tackle last night. Neither of them are Barnaby Swain, but they are two of his companions. Hmm. Who do we want to take a point on this one? How, what approach are we going to use here? Ravnus pushes Marco forward. Yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> um, I guess Marco is going to approach the gif. Um. Yeah, and actually, as you approach, they see you. And the one on the left is actually a female gif. And she is wearing a similar uniform. However, it's kind of like a, a, a coat with a higher waist. Uh, and she's actually has uh, it has a beret uh, on uh, and she's holding a long rifle with a with a equally long bayonet on it. And she goes, well, I do say you are the young mage that gave Barnaby a run for his money last night. Are you not? Oh, um. Yes, hello. This is my female gift voice. <laughs> uh, yes, Marco Astorio. It's uh, it's nice to meet you. Well, that was a jolly good show indeed. Certainly gave old Barnaby a surprise, to be sure. You know, just, I guess, happy that I did well in it. Um, But either way, I'm glad that I gave him a show. I'd like to meet him sometime. Mm -hmm. but, uh, you see that the other gif hasn't said anything he's just standing there um he's carrying what looks like a miniature cast iron cannon like it looks like it's <laughs> the same kind of cannon that's on the void fair except like half the size and he has an iron basket on his back full of three inch wide cannonballs um uh, and he's uh, uh nodding along and uh the first gif says allow me to introduce myself i am petty officer lenora pratt and this is my companion, Lance Corporal Maxfield Hobb. Um, nice to meet you, um, Corporal Hobb and Petty Officer Pratt. <laughs> it is a pleasure to meet you. Well, um, actually, we are we're here on business. As much as I, I thoroughly enjoy talking about the uh, fisticuffs that we had with Barnaby earlier, um, we're here to talk about the internment of the Tishra's Pride and its cargo. Well, very well. Um, if you head inside, uh, I'm sure um, young uh, Ayalis uh, Kaimort um, will see to your elven affairs. We are only here to provide security. Oh. The elven imperial fleet frequently employs gift services. Excellent job. I would certainly think twice before doing anything unseemly with that, pointing to the 
hand cannon, literally. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he says, Only fools will. And Petty Officer Lenora says, In fact, Barnaby Swain is inside providing interior security along with Sergeant Buxton. Small, small world, small to near Anchorage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Petty Officer Pratt. If that's the case, I'll, uh, I'll give him a quick hello before we go off about our business. And uh, it was a pleasure meeting you. Pleasure meeting you as well. Jolly good. As we walk in, I just kind of look to Lucky and Ravis like, who would have thought that getting my ass kicked would actually make me friends? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I pushed you forward. I'm, I made most of my friends that way. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> All right. So you guys enter and do you see that there is a, I guess, like a reception type of room? It's rather plain looking and there is a shield, but it is in the shape of a large green leaf. And imprinted on that shield is the silhouette of a elven man of war. So it kind of has that like splayed butterfly like look on it. And you would know this is the symbol of the elven imperial fleet. There is a young male elf sitting behind what it can best be described as a reception desk. And he is currently talking to a gnome. And you recognize this gnome. <laughs> is it the same fucking gnome from before? Look, the Salvagers Guild won't help me out, but this Monso guy needs to be found. Look, he's human, ratty overcoat, he has an eye patch. he claimed to be a brilliant artificer, and trust me, we gnomes aren't going to judge one for their eccentricities. And the elf is kind of like nodding along. Now, Miss... Miss... Mr. Pinkfoot, um, I assure you um, that we're, we're doing all that we are able to. Um, we did come across uh, your ship. Uh, what was it? Uh, he flips a page. The Whatchamacallback? And flips it back. We did find it, um, but it was abandoned, floating in the void nearby. Um, we recovered it, and we can see that that ship is rightfully returned to you, but the investigation into your missing um, creatures um, is just out of the fleet's jurisdiction. I'm sorry. And the gnome just kind of looks a little deflated. Uh, I'll take the paperwork with me to get the ship back, but I just really wish you could do something to get my beloved hamsters back. Uh, And he kind of takes some papers and leaves. Nick, we are not engaging with what I'm sure is a very, very heartstring pulling side plot. Absolutely not. (laughs) If we run into him a third time, I might engage. (laughs) That's okay. It's fine. I am just confused at the level of, like, we keep running into this person. (laughs) For real, yeah. What we've established, Nadir Anchorage is not a very big town. (laughs) If this happens a third time, I can guarantee you Marco is at least going to go up and be like, can we get your poor hamsters back? (laughs) what a cutie. Hey everyone, Nick Yurisiva here, your dungeon master and official Jenny's top sale chaperone. Make sure you stay at an arm's length. Gotta leave room for Celestian. Thanks for listening to this fifth episode of Chapter 3 of Tales of the Voidfarer. If you're liking what you're hearing, you should rate us on iTunes. And leave a review too while you're at it. Be sure to give us a follow on our social media, at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter. Don't forget to level up your sense of style with some Voidfarer merch, which is still conveniently available at bit.ly slash derailed shop. Okay, raise your hand if you listen to the first episode of Fables Around the Table Curse. I see you not raising your hand. I'm disappointed in you. You should definitely fix that. Fables Around the Table is our new anthology tabletop actual play podcast. We are playing a different RPG and telling different self-contained stories each chapter. Our first chapter features the supernatural horror RPG The Curse of the House of Rookwood by Nerdy Pup Games. It's GM'd by our very own Fiona L.F. Kelly, and I'm one of the players. There'll be some other familiar voices along the way as well. Follow at Table Fables Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Table Fables Pod on Twitter for more details and stick around to the end of the episode for a trailer. Today's podcast is once again presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Those fine people at Podgo are providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member so you know it's cool and you can as well. Apply today and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. And if you apply, let them know Voidfarer sent you. 
While we're talking about podcaster services, let's talk Wave. Wave makes it easy for you to convert any audio clip into sexy video perfect for promotion on your social media platforms. Upload your sound file, add artwork, add an animated waveform, and it even generates captions for you. If you sign up for a plan using our affiliate link, bit.ly slash wavefarer with two Vs, you will also be supporting the show. Check out that link in the show notes. Once again, special thanks to Tom Goldthwaite for our theme song and other original music, with additional music provided by purple-planet.com. Episode 3.6, the chapter finale, lands on Tuesday, July 7th. Catch you then. So anyway, the gnome leaves and you see the elf is wearing that elven imperial uniform that you've seen before. It's very clean cut. It's this like dark shade of green, a jacket with the like, I guess, bars on the front, like the connect the buttons. I don't know what they're called. And the shoulders kind of upturned slightly, this kind of leafy cut to them. And he kind of watches the gnome leave and goes, ah, yes. Um, How can I be of service? My name is Lieutenant Elias Kaimont. Lieutenant uh, Kaimort, it's a pleasure. Uh, we are here to talk about the um, Tishra's Pride, which was impounded on, was it contraband charges? I kind of looked to the others, kind of like. Uh, yeah, th- they had too much ale. You know the one yeah. we're talking about. Uh, yes, uh, the Tishra's Pride. Um, he flips through his ledger a little bit. And uh, who, who might I ask, um, who, who are you and um, what party do you represent? Um, I'm Marco. We're from the Void Fair. The Void Fair. He flips through and kind of checks some notes. Not- ah, yes. Um, it was in the ledgers you were supposed to receive a shipment um, in the cargo. Yeah, a lot of the stuff on that ship is ours. Uh, if we could just get it, our employer is, is really, really, uh, you know, she needs it right now, so. I understand. Uh, unfortunately, you'll have to uh, speak to the Admiral directly to have this figured out. Luckily, um, she is in her office here at the embassy at this time. I can check to see if she's available to speak with you now. Please, if you would. Certainly, if you wouldn't mind waiting here. He is going to stand and leave, leaving you kind of in this dead silence in this room. After a few minutes, this elf, Lieutenant Kaimort, returns. Yes, uh, Admiral Arwid will see you now. I follow. Thank you. And I mm-hmm. follow. Um, he leads you back into a rather large stateroom, but it is not overly decorated in any particular way. Um, you see that there's a, another symbol of the, the Elven Imperial fleet on a shield behind her desk. And you see kind of standing to receive you um, is a uh, an Elven woman. She she definitely looks older than Lieutenant Kaimort. However, she still looks very young. As an elf, it's kind of hard to pin down exactly how old she is. She has long red hair that is kept uh, in a tight braid that goes down her back. And she kind of smiles warmly at you. And she's wearing a very similar uniform that Lieutenant Kaimort is wearing. However, she has far more decorations on her lapel. So, you are here on behalf of the Void Fair? That's correct. Yes, that is correct. Yes. Please have a seat. I am Admiral Torella Arwid. I'm Admiral of the Elven Imperial Fleet here in Crotspace. Good to meet you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for seeing us on such short notice. Lieutenant Kaimont says that you are here to requisition the rightful return of the shipment that was within the cargo hold of the Tishra's Pride. Is that correct? You got it. Yes, that is correct. All right. Um, if you don't mind, I just need to fill out some paperwork, if you wouldn't mind answering some questions for me. Um, first of which, I would need your names. Marco Astoria. Marco Astoria. Luck be Humboldt. Luck be Humboldt. And... Ravnus. Ravnus. And... I believe it's not in our records. Who is currently captain of the Void Fair? Val. <laughs> yeah. Valeria Rain. Valeria Rain. Um, R-A-I-N or... R-A-Y-N-E. Oh, thanks. Um, and um, the shipment was for a substantial amount of cinder shard, it seems. Records aboard the Tishra's Pride says that it was already paid for, which means it is rightfully property of the Void Fair and this Valeria Rain. So it should not be an issue to get it into... <laughs> your hands however um i just would like to ask a few more questions of you it appears our records of the void operations in crowd space are rather lacking would you be able to fill me in on some of the more recent jobs that you've undertaken i don't need to go into detail i, I actually i don't i don't know if we're like authorized to do that we're, we're just here to pick up the the shipment i mean that shouldn't have anything to do with our previous missions correct 
it's just a matter of proper documentation and having a handle of the space operation in hot space. I hope you understand it is merely protocol. Uh, Scavenging uh, missions? All right. You have locations or types of ships or even uh, a, a rough approximation of the salvage that was obtained? Unfortunately, I, I'm not privy to that knowledge. Mm -hmm. She nods and goes, understand. I understand. Um, so she's going to say, all right. Um, and uh, any recent conflicts with other organizations or ships? No. She's making an insight check if you want to make a bluff check. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> 29. There it is. She she kind of like cocks an eyebrow at you, but doesn't say anything. Very well, very well. Um, uh, what would you say uh, is the uh, current uh, number of the crew aboard the Voidfair? Don't mind. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm just kind of getting a clarification question. Um, why does the Elven Armada need information on a non-Elven ship? It's strictly speaking protocol. We are here to make sure that all regulations and wild space treaties are being adhered to. The standard information that we have regarding other operations within the system merely help us keep that. It is merely protocol, but if you would like to receive the cargo that is rightfully yours, we need to go through the proper channels. I hope you understand. I mean, I'm not sure. Who, who recognizes you have the authority to take any ship into impound and whose authority is it? I mean, what what exactly is? I mean, who who gives you the power to do that? Well, the concordance of wild space, the intersphere and wild space wide treaties have various regulations of which the Tishra's pride was in violation. Okay, the Tishra's pride was in violation of the letter of the law, but certainly not the spirit of the law. I mean, you know these are dwarves. I mean, come on, this is this is ridiculous. I. I you uh, do you, do you impound every every uh, uh, vehicle that you suspect there's something wrong with just because you suspect it? It seems like seems like you guys are are are, are looking to to just be on your power trip here. She kind of sits down her quill and folds her hands in front of her, and she says, "I do not need to justify the Elven Imperial Fleet's decisions and processes for deciding which laws to enforce and which to not." Are the fact of the matter is. That the ship was impounded, which means that the proper procedures need to be followed if you would wish to have this situation rectified for you to receive your rightfully owned property. And rectification means giving you information about who we are, where we go, what we do. Your cooperation will only speed this process up. It's a small ship. Yeah, I don't know, 30 people. Approximately 30 people. Then she kind of says, looking across all of you, how does this Captain Valeria run her ship? Does she treat her crew well? What? What sort of laws are there about that? She smiles and she says, None, I was merely curious. But you can make an insight check if you'd like. Um, that is a big old two. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, so that's a 15 for me. And, oh, only a 12 for me. Okay. Luckbeak, it's kind of hard. To, like, you definitely, that's a weird question, especially after all the other ones. But Marco, um, it definitely seems she's asking for a personal reason. I've known Val to be a... Um, stern but effective captain who has the best interests of her crew in mind. Very well. She doesn't write anything after that, but she says, all right, uh, it appears that the paperwork is in order. Um, however, I will need the signature of this Captain Val before everything can be finalized. Why? She's the captain of your ship. She is the one who paid for this particular shipment, and I need her signature to sign off on its release. Exactly. She's the captain. She sent us on this job. Yes, and I'm telling you, if you'll kindly fetch her and have her visit here, I can have her sign this particular paper, and we will have her property released to her. Good God. All right. Forgive me, Admiral. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry here. I'm not familiar with protocol um, that well, but if Val gave us the power to act as her liaisons, um, couldn't we sign in her stead? Not by the protocols that we here at the Elven Imperial Navy follow. Uh, we would not recognize that particular designation. We need nothing less than the captain's signature herself. And we can't bring the papers to her and you just assume that she... Un no, of course not. Unfortunately, this paperwork cannot leave the premises of this embassy. Thank you, Admiral. We will go and talk with Val and see her captain brain uh, and see what she has to say. Mm -hmm. it's a, it was a pleasure meeting you. It was a pleasure meeting you all as well. I hope to see you soon. 
She'll stand and gesture toward the door and the door opens and you see Barnaby Swain standing there. And there's another gif in the hallway as he opens the door for you. Ah, is it, isn't, um, what was it? Uh, Marcus Asteroid? <laughs> Marco Astorio, yes, pleasure, pleasure to see you again. Yes, yes, I see I've painted such a lovely picture upon your face. You wear it well. Uh, I mean, what can you say? You gave me a hell of a fight. A hell of a fight it was. You surprised me, lad. Actually, the Admiral was going to look at Marco and look at Barnaby and oh, you, Barnaby and your extracurricular activities. You fought this very small mage. <laughs> is it not obvious? Like, the facial expression is like, look at I, me. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything before. I didn't want to be rude. Um, but the fact that you're standing here means that you, at the very least, uh, held your own somewhat. I have to say it wasn't particularly long, but, uh, I mean, I guess I got a couple of good hits in, but at the end of the day, nobody can beat Barnaby here, and I kind of, like, give him a pat <laughs> on the, I'm assuming, thigh. Yeah. <laughs> considering he, size. He claps his big, meaty hand on your shoulder, and your knees almost buckle. Uh, <laughs> and he says, Well, let me tell you this, lad, you lasted longer than most. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it. Um, I don't think I'm going to step in the ring with you any time in the near future, but... I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, he will see you out of the embassy. He's like, hey, you know, I hope to see you again, Barnaby. Uh, bud. <laughs> I hope to see you too soon. Maybe at the block and tackle, even if it's just for a drink. Uh, as soon as we are out. Do you think that was odd? Yes. I don't know. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Anybody could go up and say they're from the Void Fair. I mean, but then again, how the hell is she going to know who Val Rain is? I mean, anybody could walk up and say they're Val Rain. Um, I'm assuming there are credentials, but there was something else weird about it, because whenever she was asking about who Val is as a person, did anyone else get the feeling that that was a little bit more of a personal question than a standard formality question? Yeah, that was real weird. I guess we should at least go to Val and tell her what we know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I guess so. I mean, you think there's a history there, or? I have to say it, maybe, but I mean, I can't tell too much from just one, you know, extremely personal question in a set of bureau bureaucratic forms. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's go see. All right. So you guys head back to the Void Fair. You go back down to the Mooring Ward through Kondori's Cradle and take the Bilge Warrens to Void Fair Cove, where the Void Fair is currently moored. And you go up onto the deck. It's kind of a quiet night because it's a little bit later in the evening. You saw most of the crew in Kindori's Cradle, as has been the case most evenings here in port. But when you go back to the ship, you see Scriv on the deck. Give him a good wave. Ah, Marco Astorio. Luck be tumbled. Ravness, it is a pleasure to see you. I feel like we haven't seen much of each other the last several weeks. Guess not. It's been a while. Guess we're doing our own thing. Um... Yes, everyone has been off doing their own things. I think I saw Scuttlebutt and uh, Jack and Tatters breaking a table in Kandora's Cradle, but either way, um, <laughs> do you know where Val is? Oh, Captain Valeria Rain isn't on the ship currently. She was conducting business elsewhere, but she should be back within the hour. In the meantime, I believe that Johannes would like a word with you, Marco Astorio, and also you, Ravness. Hmm. Does Ravness know that name? He's the navigator. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Ravenous is, is going to go, um, why me? He did not say. Kind of look over to Luckbeak and be like, well, do you want to come join us anyways? I guess. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. You don't know what this is about either? It's not like you guys are planning a surprise party for me or something? Uh, no, I'm terrible at keeping secrets for those, but, uh... Is it your birthday soon? Um, I, I, I mean... I don't want to say my birthday is Marpin off 20, which is, as you know, coming right up. So the question, guys, is his birthdays even, um, you know, relevant whenever we're in space without solar cycles? And <laughs> <laughs> don't think about it. <laughs> Uh, you know that the charting room is actually uh, right off of the main deck here below the quarter deck. So, uh, Marco, you've been in here before because you know it is the way in which you get to the helm room. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that uh, considering my time and also as a magic user, I would know Johannes decently well. 
Yeah, Johannes um, isn't a magic user himself, but he works very closely with Salon since he is the navigator of the ship. Yeah, I feel like I might have run into him a little bit more than usual. Probably. So yeah, I'm going to lead you all straight to the room and be like, Johannes, how's it going? Ah, Marco! Glad, uh, <laughs> glad you could be here. I need, need to talk to you. And Ravnus, you're here too, perfect. And you walk in and you actually see that Johannes is in this room uh, accompanied with uh, Brohane, who is actually on the floor under the table like he's <laughs> working on a car. And you see Salon is standing in this room as well. And Marco Salon looks a lot better. If you recall, he actually looked quite ill um, right after the ship was very badly damaged. But it appears that his health has returned as well. I give Salon a nice wave before turning back to Johannes. Like, yes, um, what did you need Ravnus and I for? Well, look, and he gestures to the table and he says, Ornek, and you see that there is a glass sphere that you recognize, the Drift Globe. It has now been installed in the middle of the charting table. And Johannes looks down under the table at Brohane and says, Brohane, I said Ornek and nothing happened. And you hear muffled under the table. Well, look, I'm in the middle of something. Give me a second. <laughs> and you hear some fidgeting uh, and a slight spark of arcane energy all right, try it now. And Johannes kind of squares himself up again. And then like motioning with his hands excitedly in the same way he did before, he goes, Ornek. And as he says the command word, the illusory map emanates from the drift globe now installed into the table, filling the space above the table with the map of crot space. And little labels floating near the various spheres. Uh, many words are in Githyanki, but many words are in what Marco recognized as Cretorian script. I actually wanted your help translating, updating this map for our use here on the ship. Um, yeah, so let's read this. And Marco's going to run up and just get excitedly indulging himself and translating. Yeah, so you're looking at this, and Marco, between you and Ravnus together, because you almost get the impression that this map may have been originally created by Kratorians, and then the Githyanki found it and somehow found a way to make their own notes on it. So between the two of you, Ravnus, you translating the Githyanki, and Marco, you translating the Kratorian, uh, you can go through and uh, figure out the names of the planets, including the sun, which is called Ilias. The first planet, Xenos, uh, Kratori, which, as you say it, like, that's probably is where the Kratorian Empire came from, just by its name. Its moons, Eos and Kori, the planets Skoro, Adilphos, Anipsia, Texidi. These are planets in various moons. Kairos, uh, Magos. And you, you're filling these out. And as you're filling out the names of these planets and looking at it, Johannes is kind of peering up and goes, well, this is interesting. This map... I mean, it's good that we're filling out the names and stuff, but this map actually doesn't match the recent maps made of Crot Space since people have returned. And he kind of turns and looks through some like scroll-like racks and pulls out a chart and lays it out on the table next to the Drift Globe beneath these like illusory hologram. Huh. He, he points up into the hologram and goes, These two planets, the closest ones to the sun here in the illusion, Xenos, you said? The closest one. And then the second one, Kratori, they don't exist anymore. Looking down on the map, and you can see that neither planet is on the current updated chart. What we do have here is this thick asteroid belt around the sun that might be the remnants of both planets. Well, and these, and he points to two planets that seem to be orbiting each other, two small planets that seem to be orbiting each other, and he looks at them and looks up at the, uh, the hologram again and goes, yeah. These look like the moons of Kratori, but they're now orbiting each other, and the planet is just gone. I think Kratori was destroyed. Space can be a quite volatile place, I would suppose. Well, we speculated that, that that asteroid belt was likely a planet at some point, but this all confirms it, really. But two whole planets just suddenly vanishing. What's even more curious about this is, I mean, okay, sure, a planet can be destroyed... But the moons are still in place. If you would think that something would be big enough to destroy a planet, the moons would be jettisoned. Take the moons or, with it, yeah. Yeah, take the moons with it. Yeah, it's very curious. Well, in any case, uh, Brohane, you'll be able to update this map to the current uh, configuration um, that we can observe today, right? And Brohane says, oh, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. Um, before you do that, can you mind if I uh, just kind of trace over this old map real quick to make sure I get everything? By all means. Here, actually, and he'll pull out another tube, and I have, I have another copy of Crot Space, and if you want, you can make the changes right on this. Okay, so you're basically making a copy of the old map of Crot Space over top of the new map. Now, this is already for uh, 
like thinking of seeker stuff like the idea of like here planets like this yeah. might even already be like a line on some good information mm -hmm. <laughs> right yeah you continue filling out uh translations and stuff the cluster of earth bodies that val had once referred to as the den of a thousand dragons um the Kratorians called the limiri cluster and uh, you know that the moon that you went into and and experienced the Kindori, the sky whales, that moon was actually called Acrosi, and it orbits the planet Froros. Yeah, it's interesting uh, to learn what the Kratorians are calling these planets. So um, I'm going to probably make some notes of this, put them in my own book, and then... I'll probably make at some point make my way over to the Seekers Hall to see if there's any information on this. You know now it's not late in the evening, so that probably can't happen until to tomorrow. That makes sense. But you definitely have some info to report. All right. Um, as you guys are working on this, uh, there's a soft knock on the the door frame, and you turn and you see Val. And she goes, oh, having a party in here without me, I see. Val, oh, it's good to see you, actually. We, we were coming to see you. Um, oh, you were now? Yeah. Did you find my Cindershot? I mean, basically... Uh, but we need you to come kind of retrieve it. All right. Uh, where is it? With the uh, Elven Armada, in particular, Admiral Torella Arwig. She rolls her eyes really super hard, and she goes, Ah, the bloody Imperial Fleet has it, of course. Yep. I give a, a side-eye to Ludwig. I shrug. Always sticking her nose into things. All right, uh... I suppose we should have a walk then. If you three wouldn't mind accompanying me, um, I don't think we have anything to worry about, but it'll always be nice to have backup if we did. Okay. And you guys finished up the at least the work that Johannes had for you now. It didn't take long to go through. There's only, between the planets and its moons, only maybe about 15, 16 worlds that needed translated um, and various other points of note on the map. And uh, you guys head out. And you head back to the Elven Embassy. The same lieutenant is waiting for you there, and you are all seen back into the Admiral's stateroom. And as you walk in, you see the Admiral stand, and she looks at Val, and she says, Valeria. And Val crosses her arms and says, Mother? Uh, uh, mother? <laughs> <laughs> Introducing Fables Around the Table, a new actual play anthology podcast by Project Derailed. Our first season, Curse, features The Curse of the House of Rookwood by Nerdy Pup Games. Join the dysfunctional and strange Rookwood family as they tussle with the supernatural in 1972 in New Haven, Connecticut. And be sure to never forget your roots. Dreaming of such things it could be an omen of some sort. Why are you like this? Why can't you just behave? I, I come in to think sometimes. Look at all of our dead relatives and uh, think about that. A flock of ravens and crows descend from the tops of the nearby buildings. Us finally being claimed by the curse in the end is a sign that we did not waste these gifts. Something has happened. ProjectDerailed.com